Welcome to episode number 225 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. This episode is brought to you by Sendable, which is the tool my team uses every day to schedule and analyze our clients' results. You can try them out for yourself at onlinedrea.com slash Sendable. Now, this is part three in our series all about how to outsource social media. And this is a special episode, I feel like, because I'm going to walk you through start to finish the entire process of collaborating with our clients so that you can pull the bits and pieces together for how you want to collaborate with your social media team. So, you know, whether you hired a virtual assistant, a social media freelancer, an in-house person or an agency, I'm hoping this gives you context to how you can collaborate with someone who's ultimately showing up as you and your brand on social media. And one of the challenges with this that I hear a lot on Online, in groups and communities is that it is really hard to outsource social media, you know, to find someone who can capture your brand voice to create graphics and edit videos to have the strategic side of it. So many people hire someone and then they're disappointed with the outcome. And a lot of times that's because they skipped parts one and two of this series. So if you're skipping straight to this third part, make sure you go back and listen to one and two, because that really sets the foundation for hiring the right person or the right team. And then secondarily, when they get to this part three, actually collaborating, there isn't enough time set aside to actually improve and grow and to create a a true collaboration with your team or person. So in this episode, I'm going to walk through all of those steps. And it starts with the client intake. So right off the bat, we need to collect information from the client. So whether this, again, is an in-house person, a team, a freelancer, you want to have that communication going right away. We need passwords to your social accounts. Yes, we need the actual passwords to things like Instagram. Because even though you can give access through you know, Meta's business suite, um, certain things are only available in the app. And certain things are only available by logging in through the mobile app and not through desktop. Um, so we'll collect those things. We'll collect your brand voice. We'll collect your um, visuals. We'll collect your positioning in the market. We'll talk about what makes you different from other people so that we could do our research in getting to know your brand. Now, if you feel uncomfortable with some of these things, um, password sharing, for instance, is one of those that, you know, it is very delicate, which is why you want to make sure you hire the right team and why we have integrity is one of our key values. Uh, but we also use LastPass in-house. So I'm the only person currently. And if there's a manager, like a director of accounts, they would probably, and like as we scale up our business, they would probably be the only one to see the password. And then that password is put into LastPass and then it's shared with the team. And we share it in such a way so that they don't see that password. We pay for LastPass premium. So all of our team members have access to the app. So even if they're logging in through Instagram in the app, they can't see your password. And that's to protect you as a client. 
Um, as our as our company as well, we put all of this into a really easy form. Um, we used Dubsado. You can fill out the form. You can save as you go. And then once you're done filling out the form, you hit complete. And that sends it over to my team to go on to the next steps. Um, so then we start onboarding the client. And during this onboarding process, it takes us about 10 to 14 days to go through all of these steps, but it starts off with a kickoff call. So in that kickoff call, we are going to deep dive into your brand at that point. We've already reviewed your intake form. Um, I even record the initial conversation with the client and send that to the team to review prior to the kickoff call. And we'll ask follow-up questions. So for instance, if you mentioned that you have a blog, we want to know how frequently you post the blog. What's the plan for the blog going forward so that we can make sure to amplify that on social media? Um, if you, for in, if we, for instance, notice you have a link tree in your Instagram, we need access to that as well. So we may follow up. Um, as well as any other questions we may have when it comes to upcoming launches, key dates, things like that. So we'll do all of that in that kickoff call. Also, it's a chance for you to meet my team. You know, in that kickoff call, it really sets the tone for our working relationship and uh, you can meet the people who are going to be working on your account. So if you aren't working with the team, you can obviously skip that step. Then we start diving into the initial phase of working together, which is a lot of research. Um, we want to understand your brand voice. So we use our copy stocking process and we go through all of your content or as much as we can. Sometimes if you have 200 podcasts, we're not going through all of the podcasts, but we'll hit the key ones. We'll pull out um, phrases, words, analogies, uh, even looking at your socials and emails for things like emojis and GIFs, things that you use so that we can show up as you on social media. We collect this into our copy stocking document and it's a living document. So we'll add to it over time. We'll also work on things like visuals. So we'll look at your brand guide and translate that into social media brand guides. We build out templates for ourselves so that we can easily replicate those branding elements into future graphics. Um, we'll also translate that into video as well. So if we have any elements in the videos, we want to make sure that it's using your brand colors and logos. Before we dive into building out the actual strategy, we will do two things first. The first thing is a competitor analysis. So we want to take a look at the areas of opportunity and the wins for the competitors in the space. We want to really get a good sense of who's in this space, where are they performing well on social media, and where can we fill in any gaps? And frankly, right now, a lot of people aren't doing enough video. So we're we're pushing video for our clients. And then the second thing that we do is a social media audit. And this actually really turns into a full marketing audit by the end of it. Um, one of my mentees, Lindsay, uh, for her business, described it as um, lifting up and looking under the hood. And that's what we do on your social. So we look at your social accounts, look at the analytics, the top performing posts. Um, we analyze your bio, the links. We're clicking things. We we end up on your website and Google Analytics. We sign up for your email list. We're down the funnel. Like we look at everything because if we're sending traffic to the website, if we're telling people to sign up for the newsletter, we have to fully understand what that is, right? 
Um, and so we deep dive into all of that. We put our notes together. A lot of it may be like, yep, this links works or yep, this bio works. But sometimes it's, you know, we got to update the Instagram bio. We got to write a new about section for LinkedIn. The cover photos are inconsistent from Twitter to LinkedIn to Facebook. Um, you know, the social media handles are different. So we're looking at all of those things, putting them together and presenting them to you for final sign off. Sometimes our clients, uh, social media handles is a great one. Sometimes our clients go, eh, we, we know that and we want to keep it as is. That's fine. But we still, you know, show what we observe and what our professional recommendations are. And then we put that all together in a strategy presentation. Now, this part is a little bit newer to us, but we used to send off all of these documents and say, please review these client. Um, and we found that it's very overwhelming. So as we put together our strategy, we actually put together a strategy presentation, pulling out the key elements that we want to observe because a lot of like the whole copy stocking document isn't needed. But to show our work, we do want to say, Hey, we noticed you say this word or you use this GIF or this emoji or this analogy. And so we're going to continue using things like this in your marketing. Um, so we'll put that strategy presentation together, e- either presented on a call or through a Loom video. And then once all of that is approved, once we have your strategy outlined, we understand your marketing messages, we know what we're going to post, when we're going to post it, how we're going to post it, what platforms we're focused on, then we move into actually creating content. And before we actually create content, there's a few things that we put in place that are not quite in the initial phase. This is more of an ongoing thing, but they're larger bird's eye view things. The first thing is an editorial calendar. Y'all know we use Airtable for this. Um, I have tons of tutorials on YouTube of how we use Airtable specifically, but we use Airtable for editorial calendars. And editorial calendar is different from a content calendar in that it is that bird's eye view. So when are the blogs launching, newsletters? Um, when are we looking at key dates, holidays, campaigns, book launches, you know, anything that can happen within the company that would disrupt or inform our normal schedule, we want to put that in the editorial calendar. So, you know, let's say every Monday is a motivational, impactful quote or saying, you know, if we're in a launch, we're going to tie that into the launch content specifically. That's just one example of how we use the editorial calendar. So that's one thing that we'll put together in kind of that initial phase and as we start creating content. The second thing is specific campaigns. So for instance, if we're heading into a sales season for you, then we want to put together campaign plans for those specific campaigns. Or if you're doing a series on your YouTube channel, we want to put a campaign together for that. Um, this kind of is similar to a launch plan, which we'll also do as well. If you are launching something, we want to put a plan together. Um, launch plans are specific to launches. Campaigns can be any type of campaign, but they both serve the same purpose, which is for us to collect information and put key deadlines and dates together. So for instance, if you're planning on launching a new course in January, we started planning that in October, right? So the course is planned in October. We're starting to pre-market that in November. So in order to have all of those things together, we have to have a plan. Um, we need to know, you know, what content are we teasing out? We want to start 
getting our audience to think about the concepts that lead into the course. So an example, for instance, is, um, you know, let's say you're launching a course on um, how to raise a puppy. So right now you're probably in the planning stages of, you know, adopting a puppy. So we may want to start talking about where to look to adopt a puppy on social media so that once you adopt your puppy, then you're ready to purchase our course, which is all about raising a puppy. Very simple example. I'm not, I'm not getting a dog, y'all. <laughs> Two is enough for me and a baby. I'm all full here, <laughs> but that's just one example of how we can help support our clients with launch plans and campaign plans. And then the final thing that we do that's kind of a bird's eye view um, support that we help our clients with is content ideas and specifically video content ideas. So something that is definitely more along the lines of a strategic partner versus a virtual assistant is having someone who can think on your behalf. And a lot of these things are aligned with thinking on your behalf. And one of the ways we do that in our agency is we send our clients ideas. So right now, Reels, YouTube Shorts, TikToks—they're they're outperforming every other type of content. And while we can create a lot of content on our clients' behalf, a lot of times we do need their input. We need footage from them to create additional content. And typically, footage we get from them is the most impactful type of content piece. So an example would be, we'll send a client an idea. We'll say, Hey, client, can you record a 60 second video answering this question? So I'll use the puppy course example. Um, I need a video example with three warnings against getting a puppy from a puppy mill. Okay. So that's a very specific type of video. Um, so the client knows this information already. Um, we're probing them for that information. And then we'll also send them a little cheat sheet. That's like here, it needs to be vertical. This is the size. Make sure you're framed this way, natural lighting, all of those things we support our clients with because we just want them to show up in their expertise. So that's one way that you can get your team to really help you is to collect those ideas. Another way to do this is with trending sounds or trends in general that's happening on social media. So a recent example is there's this red flags trend that's happening on social media where you post a little, a little photo. It just looks like a screenshot of a notes app, honestly, and it uses the red flag emoji and, and it lists some red flags and the caption may talk a little bit more about how to avoid those red flags. So when we are probing our clients for this, this may be hopping on a call and saying, this is a trend that's happening right now. What are some red flags in your industry that we can highlight on social? So that's a way that we're bringing trends and our clients' expertise together to create that content. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk all about content creation, including my famous copy stocking process, how we review content, how we collaborate with our clients ongoing, and how we report on results. I'll be back soon. Imagine a world where your social media is completely taken off of your plate, things are consistent, you're showing up on all of the major platforms, and all you have to do is show up in your favorite way possible, whether that be your podcast, your blog, your newsletter. Well, that world is a reality for a lot of my clients, and I want it to be a reality for you too. Here's what some of our clients said about working with us. To some degree, Andrea, I mean, yes, we do, you know, work together to some degree too, because 
Full disclosure, her company helps us with our social media and has for a long time. So we do have a working relationship. Online Drea offered a community of support in which I knew I was being taken care of. I knew that I was understood at a deep level because we shared these values. The beauty of working with this team is the fact that they spend the time to get to know you as a person, your heart as an entrepreneur. If you're ready for a team who can handle your social media, help you get better results in your business and help you grow, come work with us. Head on over to the website onlinedrea.com and click services in the navigation bar. All right, back to the show. And we're back. So let's talk about creating the content. So we have the plan. We have the strategy. Now we get down to creating. And honestly, this is what takes my team the most time is actually creating the content. It's doing the work. Um, so we start off with the idea and we use Airtable again, outline the idea for the team. And then we use our copy stocking process to find bits and pieces of voice and brand voice to put that post together. So an example would be, with our client, Carl Lowenthal, she has a very specific voice. And if you go to her Instagram um, and you look at her feed, about 95% of what we post, I would say maybe 99% of what we post in the feed is my team. And it has been for the past two years, two plus years. So when we think about copy stocking and her voice, we aren't PhD law school graduates from Harvard, right? Like she's super smart, um, has all the degrees. What we do is we go to her podcast for her perspective on the world and her thought leadership. So we may pull something from her podcast and that becomes the post, right? So we pull her impact statements, her phrases, her, the way that she shows up in the world and we create content based on that. So we create video, we create carousel posts, we create static posts using images of her. We pull little clips from the podcast and post that. Everything that we share comes from her perspective. Now she has hundreds of podcast episodes, so there's lots for us to pull from. For those clients who don't have all of that, we end up using a number of things to help support that, namely Voxer. So Voxer is a voice messaging app where we will give our clients prompts. So an example is we have a client, um, Afrosexology, which is all about sexual pleasure, specifically for the Black community. And so if we want to do a post around... Sorry, I should have warned. If there's kids around, plug their ears. (laughs) But if we want to do a post around oral sex, then we may want to prompt the client and say, we want to do a really deep carousel post around oral sex. Uh, What's your perspective on this? What questions is your community asking? And maybe it ties into a, a workshop that they're teaching about oral sex, right? So we want to probe them on those topics and we use Voxer for that. So the client can then leave a, you know, two to three minute voice note, and we can turn that into a post or two. Um, And it really cuts down on their energy creating the post. And we're still able to use their expertise and show up as them on social media. In this content creation process, we're also creating graphics, we're editing videos, we're tying all of the post pieces together. And then we use our content remixing strategy to maximize that content. So I know you can't just copy paste posts to various platforms, right? This is, that's so like 2017 social media. 
Um, sure, that worked five, six years ago. It's not going to work today. But we're creating lots of amazing content that can absolutely be repurposed to other platforms. So if something is a carousel post on Instagram, maybe it's a, a thread on Twitter, or maybe it's a, a, a really lengthy post on LinkedIn, you know, we can take those concepts and remix them to other places. If we're creating an Instagram reel, we're probably going to take that video and put it on TikTok and YouTube shorts and a Pinterest idea pin. The captions are tweaked to be optimized for each platform, but the idea, the concept behind that post remains the same. All right. Next up, I want to talk about the review process and how we review our clients' work because it's not just about putting everything together. You do need to have a review in place. And one of the challenges I see a lot with business owners is they just want to be hands-off. They want to pass off their social media and they don't want to look at it. And while I do think that can work for some business models, for most businesses, when you're handing off something, you need to review it. And my uh, amazing mentor consultant, Audrey Kwan, calls this drive-by delegation. So we don't want to just say, do my social media and then run away because do my social media means so many things to so many different people. And so that review process is key, especially for the first three months. So yeah, it's going to be some work, but your goal is a long-term one. And ultimately, you do want to be hands-off. But in order to do that, you need to have clear instruction to your team. So. Our review process is this. We have an internal review typically done by the account manager or strategist where they're reviewing the entire post, the captions, the graphics, spelling, grammar, context, everything. And then it goes to our clients for review. And they're also reviewing it for those things, but most importantly, their perspective on the world. So for example, we had a client one time who only used a specific type of emojis, um, some emojis she would never use. And so we started collecting the list of emojis that she wouldn't use and would use so that we can inform the post going forward. Um, our goal is for the post to still look and sound like you on social media. Um, and then we do one quick final review and any edits that uh, feedback came in from the client and it's good to go. It's good to be posted on social. Our account managers even do another review after the posts go live because sometimes things happen in the shuffle. There was this glitch one time where Instagram was deleting the fourth or fifth slide from a carousel post every time. And it was just one day, every carousel post. So sometimes we have to review them after they go live just to make sure something is wonky doesn't happen. So that review process, super, super important. Now, to stay updated with all of the things happening in your business, I do recommend having regular meetings in collaboration with the person who's doing your social. So we host either monthly hour-long meetings or two 30-minute meetings a month with our clients. And these meetings are very strategic. We do want to review any wins. And you know, I'll talk about reporting in a second. But we want to go over any of those key things. But we also want to bring strategy to our clients. So if, for instance, we notice, like right now, um, at the time of recording this, October 2022, the more simple posts are working better. If it looks like it was a screenshot of a notes app on your phone, that is performing better than something highly stylized or designed. So we're going to bring that information to the client and, and show them the changes that we're making on their accounts. Um, and then we'll also talk about any upcoming campaigns, key dates, and plan those out as well. But a lot of the call is strategy focused. We may even talk about things that we're seeing that work really well with other clients in the industry and also brainstorm some ideas for future campaigns and launches. 
And then finally, we do reporting for our clients as well. And reports are key here because we don't want to keep doing the same things over and over again if it's not working. And we want to identify the things that are. And again, this ties into our company value of integrity. We're not going to brush poor campaigns under the rug. We really do want to outline things that are working and aren't. So focusing on both is key. And we use our reports as a way to tell a story about what's working and what's not. So for instance, if we see an increase in impressions that month, but we do not see an increase or even if we see a decrease in followers, what that means is we reached a bunch of people, but none of them converted into followers or not enough of them converted into followers. So let's take a look at our profile. Maybe we need to optimize that a little bit, or let's take a look at who we're reaching. Maybe we're not targeting the right people, right? So, you know, telling a story with the, with the reports is super important for us. We'll always identify some of the hidden engagement metrics as well. Instagram is notorious for this. Those shares and saves, you can't see right away. You got to dig to find them. So we're digging. We're, we're like archaeologists over here finding the hidden gems and we'll share those. So one of our clients, actually Afrosexology that I mentioned earlier, they tend to have a lot of shares and saves and not as many comments because of the nature of their brand. Some people may not want to leave a comment on a public account about oral sex, but they they may share it to their stories. They may uh, text it to their girlfriend. And so we want to be able to document all of those things. We do our reports monthly because we do want to take an accurate look backwards. Sometimes we'll do snapshots of the three months in at a glance or six months at a glance if we have that data. Um, but really, we're looking at the previous month and adjusting from there. Then we always, at the end of our reports, put our action items. So this is key as well because we don't want this to be theory and live in a document somewhere, which we do use Google Documents because we like it to be collaborative, but we don't want it to just like stay in that document forever. Um, we put the action item. So if we notice carousel posts are working, next month, we're going to swap out two of the photo posts for carousel posts, right? Um, or if we notice that, you know, Instagram Reels, a specific style of videos working, we're going to double down on that style. If we notice that this question of the day post isn't getting responses, we're going to stop doing that and replace it with one of the carousel posts. So we really want to make sure that the information that we're collecting is actually being used when it comes to your strategy and your overall support. So I hope this episode helped give you some direction in collaborating with your social media team, whether you're hiring a VA, a social media freelancer, or an agency like mine. My hope is that this episode really gave you some clarity on how to collaborate with that person in a way that really helps you and supports your business. Next week, I'm talking all about the difference between an audience and a community, which one's my favorite and the one I'm trying to build up for my business so that you could do the same for yours. I'll see you next week with another episode. Bye for now.